Hello and welcome to Talking to Leaders, the podcast where we extend the conversation around female entrepreneurship beyond the challenges and instead focus on positivity and the actions we can each take to drive change. Hi, I'm Catherine Lamman, an associate in the banking and finance team at CMS. In today's episode, I am talking to Jess Holgrave, current chief of staff at Checkout.com, founder of Shios and former co-founder of Codex Protocol and Marta Palmyro, co-founder and CFO of Student Finance. Thank you for joining us today, Jess and Marta. I think it'd be great if you could just tell us a bit about your companies. Jess, if you could give us a quick overview of what Checkout.com is and a bit about your background, that'd be great. Sure. Thank you so much for having me today, Catherine and and CMS, and it's great to meet you as well, Marta. Um, Checkout.com is a global payments business. Uh, We're headquartered in London, and we have about... 1,200 staff globally um, across 18 different offices. What we do is provide payments for some of the sort of global digital innovators to help them uh, take their money from their customers and get it to where it needs to be. So for example, um, we work with fintech companies like Revolut and Wise uh, and all the way through to much more kind of traditional e-commerce players uh, around the world. Um, and I've been there for about 15 months now. Prior to checkout.com, um, I was doing a whole mixture of things. I started life in investment banking, spent some time in private equity, and then decided that I actually really wanted to be an operator and I wanted to be on the inside of a company, not just investing in them. Um, and I co-founded a business called The Codex Protocol, where we used NFTs, which now a lot of people are familiar with, but back then nobody knew what they were. Um, on the Ethereum blockchain to track the provenance of, of artworks. And I also founded Shios, which is a business where we mine cryptocurrency and then we use the proceeds to fund girls coding programs in developing countries. Um, I was one of 10 women who founded it. And uh, that for me was a really amazing experience of, of working with some, some awesome women. So maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later as well. That's great. Thank you so much for that introduction, Jess. And Marta, if you could also give us a brief overview of um, what student finance is and your background in banking and fintech, that would be great. Uh, thank you, Catherine. It's really great to be here. Uh, so student finance is a fintech that supports income share agreements where an income-based deferred payment model that connects education to employment. So in reality, what we do is we allow people to access education programs without paying anything upfront, uh, and they only start making payments when they're earning above a certain salary threshold. Uh, and payments are structured as a percentage of their income to make sure that they're always affordable. Um, this model ends up being a, a success-based model, so we are very aligned towards our customers' success. Uh, we do this by leveraging a lot of you know, data and technological infrastructure around labor market data, obviously. Uh, and so we are here to optimize the employment opportunity of our users. Uh, and we love that we end up really sharing the risk with them and being committed to their financial well-being for, for the long run. We focus a lot on reskilling and upskilling programs. So obviously that's where the job market is in massive need at, at the moment. This was important a couple of years ago when we started, but now obviously after COVID, uh, these, you know, the importance of the mission is escalating more and more of its importance. Uh, this is 
priority policymaking around the world. And, you know, we are obviously very humble to be supporting uh, the transition and helping people out of an import, out of unemployment and sectors into uh, reskilling. A lot focused, obviously, in technology and digital skills. Um, just to give a background on myself, so I started in capital markets in Credit Suisse. I worked with Credit Suisse between London and Madrid for around 10 years. Um, around 2016, I started focusing a lot more on, on fintech. Uh, I think I got to a stage where I wanted to optimize a little bit more the impact and seeing where the industry obviously was, was going. Uh, so I started also acting as an angel investor for a uh, number of uh, early stage uh, fintech startups, uh, you know, from helping on the initial uh, clients to, you know, some of them actually being sold. And that's really where I think I started really feeling the need to build something of my own and kind of go uh, on building a company end to end. And, you know, I'm very excited for, you know, to be building student finance at this point in time. Well, we're very lucky to have you both on the podcast today. We like to ask all our female founders on the Lead Hers podcast what they're feeling positive about at the moment. So, Jess, if you could just tell us something that's happening either at checkout or in the industry that you're you're sort of feeling positive about at the moment. I think actually so much to feel positive about right now. I know that the last year has been an incredibly difficult one for an, an awful lot of people and um I'm hopeful that sort of summer is on the horizon and that there's good things to come. Um, at checkout, we're, um, we've had a, a great couple of months. We've recently launched our payouts product, which is a new product to help our merchants pay out to banks and also pay to card. And we're seeing really kind of a lot of excitement across our merchants there. So I'm really pleased for that. Um, and then outside of checkout, um, I've noticed recently, I, like Marta, I do some uh, angel investing too. And over the last sort of few months, I've noticed some really amazing, like diverse teams made a couple of investments um, into uh, companies founded by females and, and with, with sort of um, much more balanced management teams. Um, I think we're a long way off still. The amount of funding that goes to female founders is still so small in comparison to, to male founders. But that's just really like excited me over the last little while, seeing these like great women taking um, bold steps to found cool companies. What about you, Marta? So I think the financial sector is increasing a lot the focus on sustainability and impact. And I think that is a core shift that, you know, people are finally changing, that we can build really good businesses and align ourselves with, you know, having really massive impact uh, to our customers. Uh, so with student finance, for, for you know, reference, obviously we are a very mission-driven business, uh, but one of our key metrics is incremental income that we generate for users. So really, you know, imagine that everybody, we support people going into education, they come out, they're earning the same, we don't feel like we were su successful. We really want to generate uh, a much better financial health to our customers. And this is happening a little bit across the board. On the other side, you know, like something that we're seeing a lot with open banking and innovation that is happening is that other, you know, customer segments that were a little bit marginalized are now being better served. So, for instance, we underwrite based on future income potential, and that means that we are able to actually approve and serve people from, you know, low-income backgrounds or even unemployed you know, who up to now were completely excluded from, you know, any financing, you know, products at accessible rates. Uh, and we think that is a massive opportunity in the market. Uh, these people will obviously be very 
good customers for the long run, uh, and we are really having a promoting a significant financial health, and they will uh, then be people that will buy houses, invest, etc. So we are really rehabilitating a customer segment. Sounds like there's lots of opportunities out there. Um, as you may know, the Leaders um, podcast and committee was established in response to the findings of the Rose Review um, to support female founders, and particularly as they're going through the fundraising process. It'd be good to hear a bit from both of you about your experience of fundraising and what the various routes you've taken when seeking funding. I was fundraising for Codex back in 2017, early 2018, um, and primarily I was in the U in the US at the time, um, and that was a very like different environment to me. The rest of my career had been in the UK, and I had kind of recently been been more based in the US. Um, and what struck me, even having like a small network in the UK was how easy it was to then sort of use that as a force multiplier, get connections. Whereas in the US, I was really sort of starting from scratch. I was fortunate enough to have uh, a great co-founder who also had a bit of a network there. But I think uh, I realized the importance of having that network. I think, um, which, which I think can make it incredibly difficult for founders who don't have uh, even a single entry point into one of those networks in order to be able to start. Um, one of the positive things, again, talking about positive things um, that I've seen more recently is a number of VC websites, um, you know, make it really easy to say, if you have a deck, you don't need a warm introduction to us, just send it through and we commit to, to reviewing it. Like we don't need to, to have a sort of warm introduction. And I think that that's really positive because that's a really um, important step in terms of making sure that people who don't traditionally have access to VC funding have a better chance of obtaining it ultimately. So I think that we should all be thinking about how we make sure that um, underrepresented groups get more funding and so I think there's a lot of work for VCs to do there um, but also I think one of my personal lessons for, from that has been to share generously my network and make as many introductions as I possibly can um, to, to women particularly building great businesses because I just I know how difficult it can be um, particularly in those early days where you don't have the lead you don't have like all the traction that you need um, and and you're sort of like really uh, can often kind of be really struggling. So I think network is super important. I think there's a lot that we can do to um, diversify who is actually receiving funding. And Marta, um, we know that you've just closed fundraising. So do you have any tips for female founders looking for investment or getting through the fundraising process? Uh, yeah, so we are very excited about the, the round of funding we have just closed. Uh, but I tend to totally agree with Jess. I think the most important thing is the network and start building you know, relationships with investors from the very early days, even though you are not fundraising yet, yet etc. So many of the founders make the mistake of just reaching out to investors when you are initiating a fundraising process. Uh, but can, that really is too late, right? Because that makes the process very transactional. <laughs> You know, you have timings, you are putting pressure on them to the set, to the side on a very, you know, short time frame, etc. So, you know, I think early stage fundraising is all about these personal relationships. And uh, there are very little data points you know, and metrics for investors to support, you know, their decision making. So what, what they are really deciding is, do they want to support this team and, and this vision, right? Do they want to help us build this? 
you know, so building these relationships and get them to know us and get to know them really risks both sides of the equation, right? I also think try to get as much interest as possible. I think these days there are a lot of groups that people can attend and, and communities there are much more open. So, you know, do use those communities. Do ask for intros. Don't go like cold calling, obviously, or cold emailing. It's the worst uh, way possible. Uh, I tend to feel that people are quite generous when you ask for support and intros. Uh, so I think a lot of the time is us not feeling comfortable asking for help and for intros. But when you ask, people tend to do it and be quite generous. So go for it. <laughs> Don't put those barriers on, on yourself. Um, and um, and then I think also be quite critical on these relationships you're building, right? I think when you're selecting and like investing is a two-way street, right? These people will be sitting on your board. They will define with you the strategy of the business. Uh, so you should also give yourself time to really make sure that you want these people by your side building the business with you. Because uh, if they are not aligned, they will massively interfere in, in the strategy or capacity to, to, to execute your vision. Uh, so I would say think about this as a relationship uh, and really in getting partners along the way, not just money and kind of something we want to kind of get close as soon as possible and keep moving to, to the execution. And moving on to the sort of day to day of running your businesses, it's often described by people as a bit of a roller coaster with highs and lows and long hours and dramas. How have you both adapted your approach from working in what sounds like quite corporate roles to then running your own businesses? I think one of the words that I often now use to describe myself is that of a recovering perfectionist. Um, a lot of time, uh, you know, starting life in investment banking and then in private equity, um, often you have a lot of time. You can spend a lot of time reviewing and refining and noticing where the you know, the missed full stop is or the formatting error is. Um, and those are the things that like by training uh, in the early stages of my career, I'm like deeply focused on. Um, I think what being a founder taught me was that actually like you just don't have time for that. Being good at running a business is about making more good decisions than bad decisions. And if you spend too long on single decisions, then you're kind of, you're wasting time. And so I think I've had to really challenge myself to get comfortable with um, not being, not making the right decision all the time, not being, not doing the perfect thing all the time, but knowing when like a B plus or even an A minus is like actually good enough because it just helps you to move quickly. Um, so that was, that was like one of the big changes for me. Um, and then I think that the other realization that I had as I transitioned from more corporate roles to, uh, to, to sort of startup life is that maybe a bit more junior in your career, but earlier on and in a corporate environment, there's this perception that the people at the top know exactly what to do all the time. Um, and I realized that actually like that's, that's not the case. And um, you have to make decisions with often limited information um, and you have to get really good at pattern recognition and and how you use limited data sets to still hopefully um, make the right decisions. And that's often about surrounding yourself by people who are much smarter than you, um, helping them to, to work together so that you can achieve things, again, just really, really quickly at a, at a pace that 
looking back, I had I like didn't even foresee the pace of the business that that I would be working in when I had only been in corporate roles before. So quite a big change, um, but uh, like just a super fun one and, and definitely some highs and some lows. For me, the idea of like building something and creating value um, is just is super exciting. Um, and also you do it hopefully with people that you really enjoy working with. And that's why the team becomes so important in uh, in startups and in these fast growth businesses is because there are downtimes. Um, there's times where things aren't going right, but to get through them, you really sort of have to rely on each other and, and work closely together. And so I think building the right team around you uh, is just super important for that. Marta, how do you think your corporate, your previous corporate roles have assisted you in your current job? For context, I really enjoyed corporate life. So it's not that I, you see, like transitioning out of corporate life because I hated the structure or the politics. To be honest, I worked at Gracie's for over 10 years and I was quite happy uh, within that role. What I think is I got to a stage where I, I felt I could not really maximize my impact. And the thing of you building a company from scratch, it's it's magical, right? I think... When you look back, and we started student finance many years ago, I look back and I cannot believe the amount of things that we built. It's like to Jess was saying, like you cannot optimize for things to be perfect. And that's a tendency that we do have from corporate world. You wear so many hats at the same time uh, that it's you know purely impossible for you to be perfect at everything. And that's something that I think you need to deal with. I personally feel that I'm failing in a lot of fronts all the time. And that's a feeling that you just need to be comfortable with, start getting comfortable with, right? A big part of my job, and I think that the founding job, team job, is obviously to build the team. We need to hire the right people, and the right people will help us to build the right company. Uh, so, you know, we put a lot of effort, obviously, on building a diverse and mission-driven team. Um, we are building a global business, so we really want to make sure that we're cultivating this diversity and it is really fundamental for us to be successful. So, for instance, student finance is something uh, that I put a lot of focus on. We are, uh, I would say, 50-50 now in female-male. Uh, we do have female engineers, so obviously giving the opportunity on those kind of more male-typical roles, I think it's super important. Um and then really just create the best environment for, for them to, to obviously be creative. Something when I started that at banking, and I think this changed a lot, Credit Suisse was an, an amazing place of really good talent and creativity. This was pre-crisis, obviously. I think now these best talent really want to solve the, the deepest problems, and that is on technology and innovation. So I think we are we really have the capacity to attract really good talent that want to be very hands-on solving these big society problems. And I think it is a privilege on us founders to be able to uh, give these problems to, to fantastic people to, to solve. Uh, what I think I struggled the most was on the process side. So obviously going from a structured place where you have support, you have people that you know do marketing materials and there is everything, the branding structure, then you go from zero, which is you know the first round of funding. We are going to investors. It's three founders and a PowerPoint and a vision that we have on what we can build and making that a reality uh, and doing everything along the way, right? From building the marketing materials, the models, the initial partnerships, the... This is a big act of faith, I believe, because you really need to to strongly believe in your vision and and that you can build a very solid business on the back of this uh, and really have the persistence to do all of these. 
be okay with things not being perfect, move on and be able to see the big picture. So, because at the end of the day, what you need to be able, early stage you know, projects rely on short rounds of funding. So if you don't show execution, you will die. So you need to you know, maximize for execution and progress, not perfection. And that is just something you will need to learn to do along the way. And also on, on, on hiring, hiring people that are quite generalists and will tend to do everything. Because on the corporate world, you are kind of taught to hire specialists. On early stage startups, you cannot hire people that kind of, my role is just to do these. You cannot. We all need to be very hands-on and do whatever it takes and whatever is necessary to move the, the ball forward. The Rose Review identified access to sponsors, mentors and professional support networks as a barrier to women's entrepreneurial journey. How have you found it difficult in accessing mentors or networks? Is this something that you think needs more focus? So look, I think mentoring is is an incredibly valuable thing for everyone. And um, a little bit like Marta, I started my career at Credit Suisse on the other side of the Chinese wall in investment banking. But there, I again, I was one of very few females and I noticed how easily men build these like informal mentorship relationships with each other because super easy to, you know, like, meet someone at the pub, get some advice from them, and um, and that develops. And one of the things that I learned from that was to just be really open about like what a mentoring relationship might be, um, that it doesn't necessarily have to be something either formal or even long term. It can just be about like a period of time where you need somebody who has experience that you don't have and thinking about like how you can can sort of um, take advantage of that. And I think that I have always found um, a little bit like Marta said earlier, this idea of like, if you just ask, people are often really, really willing to, to help you out. Um, and I think it, particularly women um, and people who are maybe a little bit more introverted can find it really challenging to just make that first ask. Um, and so one of the things, again, I learned super early on was just to say, hey, do you mind if, if can I like buy you a glass of wine or take you for lunch or whatever it is? Like, I just, I'm really impressed with how you do X and I would love to learn more about that from you. Um, and I think throughout my career, like sometimes you get a no, that's completely fine. But often um, I've had some incredibly valuable conversations, some of which have been a single conversation and then some of which have actually turned into longer term relationships where those are people who I regularly reach out to for, for advice um, and who along the journey, I've actually then been able to, to sort of help out along the way too. And so I think don't underestimate like what a mentor mentoring relationship can bring but also just be really open-minded to like what a mentor is I have um a, a, a guy in my in my network who is a lot younger than me um a lot more techie than I am but who I to be honest like consider a mentor because I phone him when I'm like hey what do you think about this can I pick your brains on something how are you doing this and and um so I I think I've just been really open-minded and tried to build myself a um, a whole kind of different like little portfolio of mentors who can bring different things to the table um, for me when I need it but also we're in a kind of reciprocal way where hopefully I can also bring things to them and and I think it's about that mindset um, that that I personally have just found really really helpful and 
and then have tried to instill as I've given back to people as well. I could not agree more with all of that. I think that's exactly it. I think mentoring at the end of the day is about relationships and it's about being curious about other people's experiences, hearing about their experiences and then, you know, see what you could take and, and learn from, from that. So it, it really is, I think, good mentoring. It's really a two-way street where you are at the end of the day uh, developing a relationship. And, and I totally agree. It can be people from, you know, all industries, you know, all ages, etc. You know, that diversity, the more diversity, the better, uh, I, I would tend to think. The only thing that I, I would just add there is that I, I felt, for, for instance, throughout the transition from the kind of corporate world to startup, that some of the mentor relationships I had were actually not being very positive because people were kind of stuck on their mental mind frames or, okay, no, you should keep on to you know the corporate world or no you should actually go to the other bank and so you also need to shut a little bit the noise and know who to listen in different times and periods of your career and business so knowing who to go to i think it's actually very very important uh, to people that you know and actually i was saying i was going to say to people that don't have uh networks but i think everybody has networks so this is just a matter of really looking at who do you have on your network. And for instance, I tried to do an exercise. Imagine that I'm speaking with a, um, a VC firm and there is someone on the call. I try, I, I try to do this more with, with female, for instance, because I think you know we need more of this diversity and super interesting. If there is someone, you, a female, I, I will book a call just to meet each other and have this you know, conversation on the back. Uh, and I think in our personal lives, we're always having these, you know, connections. So it's really about just exploring and opening the next and the next and the next. And, you know, with some people, uh, we will get very interesting and deep relationships with some others it will be uh, just a coffee chat. Uh, but it's about creating the opportunity for learning about them and, and really getting the, ben the benefit of those experiences, I believe. Can I add something to what Marcia just said, which I think is is um, is really important. Um, I think it's also about like when you have those asks of people to have like specific asks and to use people's time like really really respectfully. Um, I think I've had it. I've had experiences where people have come to me for advice and they and they just want to talk about X in a very like general way which is absolutely fine but often you can find that content online or um you know through reading articles and things like that I think the best mentoring relationships that I've had um both as a mentor and as a mentee have come when you have like something specific as well to say like hey this is a problem that I'm having right now I'd love to hear how you might solve it or um what do you think about this thing specifically so I think it's also um it's definitely like building those relationships over time and, and having the informal coffees, but then also knowing like when, how to use people's time respectfully with like very specific asks, particularly if they're people with whom you don't have a, um, a particularly strong relationship with, but you know the, that they're a particular expert in, in a certain field. I think those are the people um, often you want to be very mindful about how you interact with them and, and how you can be respectful of their time because often they're highly in demand. Thanks guys. Now, as part of our CMS Equip Leaders initiative, we're encouraging everyone to commit one positive action, big or small, that will support female founders. What positive actions will you take this year to support female founders in your industries? Jess, if you could go first. 
So I think what I will commit to for certainly the rest of this year is is really focusing personally my personal uh, investment portfolio on female founders. It's something that I I really try to do, but that certainly is is really top of my mind for ensuring that female founders get funding and and helping if if those are situations that I can't. Uh, can't help with personally, um, also sort of making connections to people who can, um, because I think these are all women who are changing the world. And so any any like little bit I can do to support that um, is a real privilege. I think on my end is sharing a lot more uh, on the experience about fundraising. So I'm more than open to, you know, if you, if you are a female founder of fundraising, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to book a session, you know, revise the deck, the, you know, the strategy, the engagement with investors. Uh, this is something that I think a good strategy on fundraising can have a massive in- impact on not only the timing, but the outcomes. Uh, and so I really commit to, to actively supporting that and, and going personally with that to founders. Great positive actions. I'm sure you'll be getting lots of our female founders taking you up on that offer. Well, thank you, Jess and Marta, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks, Marta. Thank you, Catherine, Jess. It was fantastic. To find out more about their businesses, you can visit checkout.com and studentfinance.com. You can find out more information on CMS Equip in the startup section of cms.law.